In this episode of the Exploring Information Security Podcast, what's the problem we're trying to solve? Welcome to the Exploring Information Security Podcast, where you'll learn, explore, and grow your security mindset. I am your host, Timothy D. Block, and in this episode, we will be exploring what's the problem we're trying to solve in security. With me today to do that is Michael Santarcangelo. Michael, how are you? It's always good to be with you, Tim, but what I'm really amazed about is just your inflection on that question. You, you're like a pro at asking that. <laughs> do you like practice in front of a mirror? Like, how do you do that? Right, right, yeah. Well, I, I, this podcast is all about asking questions, so I'm well-versed <laughs> in, in question asking. So, uh, and, and with that, let's go right into the first question. What does that mean? What's the problem we're trying to solve? Yeah, it, it came about really over the last couple of years, and, and people that have been listening to me on the other shows or reading my writing, they, they see it comes up a lot. They've also maybe heard me talk, or if you haven't, I talk about this thing called risk catnip. And it's this concept that in security, a lot of times we get very excited about something like a cat playing with a you know piece of string or playing with a laser pointer or something to that effect. And a lot of times then we get very fixated on, but look what I can do. And so I, I started to learn a couple of years ago that w- a great way to get your head wrapped around something is to just ask the simple question, cool, but what's the problem we're trying to solve? And the way that you ask it, and we'll talk about you know how to ask it, how to answer it, how to think about it, but... What, what we're trying to do when we ask that question is narrow down to problems or uh, an understanding of the problem as opposed to just symptoms. And that's because symptoms are easy. So I actually want to dig down more on risk catnip a little bit. <laughs> I, I've heard it term before, but I always kind of have a problem kind of remembering exactly what it means. Can we, so can we die? I know you talked about... Uh, but look what I can do with it. But can you kind of elaborate a little bit more on risk catnip? Yeah, I mean, I think I'm the only person who tends to talk about this, but I keep bringing it up because I like it. it. I usually use it as a signal that whatever you're doing is probably fun for you, but may not really have a lot of value. So uh, a lot of times, for example, somebody will say, oh, look at this thing I figured out. So I'll say, cool, how long did it take you? Oh, it was like a day, day and a half. Cool. What, what value did that have? Uh, value? No, but like I figured it out. To me, that's catnip. I mean, you're playing with it because it's fun, because it's enjoyable, because a lot of times in security, we like solving these problems. We're, we're kind of enamored with risk. We pretend that we're not at times or that we're, we're risk adverse, but, but we're yet a little bit enamored with it. So when I talk about risk catnip, what I mean is you found something, it's a risk. It's a legitimate risk. I'm not suggesting it's not a real risk, but it's not the highest priority. And running down after it is like a cat chasing string. It's fun for the cat, but it's a little chaotic to watch sometimes. And and you laugh at first, and then you just kind of sit there and say, wow, that's some piece of string. Wow, that's that's some bright laser pointer, right? And, And you can take this any way you want with it, but it's kind of my signal for you're playing with your risk too much like that's not where you need to focus um and it's not the best use of your time possibly so what you're saying is that you're just essentially you have like a lot of risk and you're just throwing like in a little pieces of paper in a hat and just drawing one out or doing like you i guess it's better to say that you're just doing the one that you feel like you need to be working on or the one that you yeah it's the shiny object 
Yeah. yeah, it's it's a yeah. I mean, look, th- there's no shortage of threats, right? There's no shortage of vulnerabilities. There's no no shortage of things where we can spend our time. And so, what happens sometimes is that we're kind of bent on, but I but I have to have the answer. But I need to understand. I, and so, you know, and we see this a lot. I mean, you've got a lot of SOC experience and incident response experience. Just because it came in, do I have to chase everything down? Well, I don't know. It depends on your organization and the role that you're playing in the organization, but. One of the things that I always like to look at is of of the time that you have, right, of the assets that you have available to you, of the effort that you can place on something, what's the best possible use of it? And so when I talk about risk catnip, what I'm suggesting is you're wasting your time. There's, I would be as, that's as blunt as I can put it. Right. Well, and so it, it sounds like there should be more like a prioritization of and, and, and being able to identify what's what should be a priority over something else. Bingo. Which is why, which is where that question comes from. So what, what's the what's the problem we're trying right. to solve? Yeah, but look what I just did. Cool. But what's the problem we're trying to solve? <laughs> does that does that play into that problem? Does that help? Did that shed a new light on it? Is that you know where does that where does that fit in the scheme of things? And what we tend to find a lot of times is people people don't know. And so you know what I find is kind of always fascinating is there's two basic ways that people first try to answer the question. Uh, What's the problem we're trying to solve? And they just answer with the symptom because it's it's self-validating, yeah. right? It's the bias. Well, mm-hmm. I just spent a day and a half on it. Dude, that's the problem I'm trying to solve. Okay, right? And, and I don't like the word should, so I don't really like to say, well, what's the problem we should be solving? My follow-up to that would be, is that the right problem to solve? Is that the most important problem to solve, right? Something fat effect. Or you get somebody who just deadpans and goes, well, I don't know. So would you say... This and this this kind of just reminds me of my sock and uh, sim and, and conversations that I've I've recently had with people is that you kind of want to define your use cases. So what what are you trying to accomplish? Yeah, very very much so. I, okay. I think that's a that's a very good way to reframe it. One of the things that I've learned doing this for, for a little bit of time now is if you can make something colloquial, right? I'll just, and I'd be happy to come back and discuss this. This actually has become the first question in what I call straight talk on security. And that's got five questions total. But I'll preview the second question for you real quick. Ready? How tall do I need to be to ride the ride? Right? And if you've got kids, you know you take your kids to the amusement park and the first thing they're doing is running to see how tall they are. And they're going to recite to you every ride they can get on. So we can talk about that in the future. But if you think about the way that I've asked those questions, what's the problem we're trying to solve? How tall do I need to be? It's very colloquial. It's very conversational. It's very it's very simple, which is always deceptive because people think a, a question that's simple to ask is simple to answer. But yes, you, you're right. It's the use case. It's framing the context. It's understanding the environment or the situation. And, and what can come out of that then is, so where do we need to focus our efforts? So and so my next question is why is it important and I think we've kind of already answered that in that when you talked about being effective and efficient within the security realm or within the security organization. Yeah, you know, it, it, look and, and I'll answer it a little a little bit more circular only I mean I agree with you. One of the things that I found fascinating about security for pretty much my whole career which is now at two decades in security is that people are fast to say well, I mean, you know, security is a cost center, which is not true. It doesn't have to be. Or they'll flip it around and they'll say, well, you know, security is by its nature designed to tell people no. Yeah. Also, no, it doesn't. 
That's a mindset. That's why I focus on the mindset of security when we're working with leadership and, and communication around it. So why is this important? Why is it important to ask this question? Uh, it's important for a couple of reasons. The first of which is because you need to focus on what creates the most value or captures the most value. You have, if you're in security, you will never have enough budget. You'll never have enough people. You'll never have all the things that you want. By the way, everybody in every part of the organization, for the most part, feels that way. So the question then sets you up for where should I spend my time or what's the best allocation of my attention, of my energy, of the team, of the solutions. And it gives you that mechanism to start to compare those things out. What it also does is it gives you insight into what's important for the business. You can ask this question for yourself. You can ask this just in your team. But if you get more comfortable with this as a construct, you can ask this of other people. And what I love about that is you may go into it. And by the way, you might be accurate. But the language you use might be different than what they use. Or you might not have the full picture. right? I call that field of view. So if you're able to pull together some of the business folks or some executives, somebody who's an influencer or a stakeholder, right? the more classic language we would use, and you get to get their perspective on the problem you're trying to solve, ooh, you may figure out that what you thought the problem was, not really important to anybody. But this other thing is, and hey, guess what? You can knock that out of the park. It's a much better use of your time in terms of how you're going to align with the rest of the organization. Okay, so how do we go about answering the question? What, what you know, it, there's this there's this theory or this practice called the five whys, and and the idea is you ask the question why five times, uh, and I know you and I have younger children, so it's not like the why 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 why, um, you know, there, there's the the risk of being pedantic with this, but the idea is you ask the question as simply as it's stated, but what's the problem we're trying to solve? In fact, what's good about it. You know, when you when you think about how to answer the question, one of the things that's interesting about the question is it's a great way if you're caught off guard. So you're in security, somebody throws something at you. Well, why didn't you do X? You want some extra time? Just say, right? And again, it, the delivery of this is always important. That's why so I was giving you a hard time about how how well your delivery was, but but I was actually being serious. I think you asked it really well. You know, it's not about, well, what's the problem we're trying to solve? You know, it's, it's somebody catches you off guard. You need a space to breathe. One of the things you can do is you can say, cool. All right, well, hold on. Let's back up for a second. What's the problem we're trying to solve? I want to make sure I understand it. Uh, I want to figure these things out. I want to do X, Y, Z. And then you say, oh, yeah, cool. Okay. You know, a lot of times in security, we get wrapped up in we need to know the answer and we need to be right. And so we get uncomfortable asking questions where I don't know what the predictive answer is going to be. So sometimes the way that you answer the question starts by how you ask the question. And sometimes we're not the ones that have to answer the question. Now, it doesn't mean you sit there and tap your toes to the other person answers and go, come on, Tim, Tim, I asked the question, Tim, Tim, you're going to answer. We got to roll up our sleeves and get involved with it. So, you know, if, if the conversation is going slow and we're talking about how to answer it, we can start doing scenarios. I've always called this story swapping. And again, if you've got kids, this is a natural thing. You throw out a scenario, they throw a scenario back. You throw out another scenario, right? So it's, uh, I can remember one of the times I did this with my son and I was, I was talking about something with him 
And he's like, oh, is it like the time we da 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 I was like, yeah, actually, okay, yeah. Th- so this part at the beginning, yeah, that's like that. But the second part, no, that's more like the time we went here. He's like, oh, so you mean this, right? And it took us maybe three or four exchanges of sharing specifics of a, of a story of where we had been. And I think it was like, I th- in all fairness, I think we were comparing like a gas station with a ride at Hershey Park. But yet at the end, we got to the same place. It's not not the path I would have predicted. And it maybe wasn't even the answer. You know, the thing about this is it's not about how to answer the question as much as how do you get to the right answer. And the distinction there is I'm not worried about if you are right or not. I'm worried about did you get to the right answer. And the way to do that is to realize that when you ask that question, it's not a leading question. I'm going to ask you what the problem we're going to solve is. And I'm going to see if you get it right. <laughs> No, you're going to ask the question and then you're going to get to that mutual understanding. You know, one of the things I I point out to people about this too is this isn't cut and paste. And I've started to see this. I mean, like I said, this is part of the straight talk program and people are, oh, I I got that. I got that. I already figured that. I heard it. Let me cut and paste that in. And you're like, no, no, let's have that conversation. It's a dialogue. Now, how long is the dialogue? I don't know. How complex is the challenge? How important is the challenge? Right, a dialogue around something that you're looking at as a million or two million or ten million or twenty million dollar solution might be a little more complicated than a hey, where should we go for lunch today? <laughs> right. And by the way, the problem there you're trying to solve is usually somebody's hungry, but it's not always, right? If you think about it, it could be you want to conduct business, you want to get together with somebody, right? There's any number of things. And so the cool part is these types of structures you can apply just about anything. Okay, so what what I'm kind of taking away from this is that this is working with the business. And this isn't necessarily a question, like you said, for lunch. Like, where are we going for lunch? This is a question of uh, it's meant to kind of create dialogue and kind of put you in a mindset of what is truly important. Yeah. Let me let me give you some some stuff out of the, the straight talk program, right? So if I ask this as part of straight talk, this is the first question because it sets the context, right? It's that scope, it's that use case, it's that understanding. For this to work, I need to I need to get to that place of what I call mutual understanding. Well, what that means then is that, yeah, this works with the business, but this, this also works just as well with the vendor. In fact, this is kind of where I, I got started with a lot of it. I get a lot of briefings, and a lot of times I'll say to them, what do you do? And if the automatic answer is, well, we do APT, malware, blah, blah, I'm like, oh, stop, everybody does that, please. What I wanna know is what's the problem that you guys solve? And if it's a vendor, I want to know what's the problem that you solve and how, how did you approach that? Why? Did, did you get there because the market drove there, because you guys were really clever, because this was – like there's there's something to that that's interesting to me. And if it's interesting to me, it's probably interesting to other people. I'd like to know what that is. I, I don't need just the laundry list. I, I kind of want to understand the context of the problem. So what's cool about a question like this is there's so much that we do in our industry – that at least feels divisive, even if it's not, this is something you can use to pull people together. You can ask that question and there's perspectives. So when we do this again, it's part of straight talk, but it's it's just as useful if you're just asking this particular question. It, there's a concept called perspective switching. Um, it, it just basically says, can you look at a challenge from multiple perspectives? Well, here's the three perspectives that I always take a look at. Who's the person asking the question? Who's the person answering the question? And then who's the person assessing the answer? So a classic way to think about it is the person asking it is the security leader. The person answering it is the vendor. But the assessor is possibly the CFO, 
maybe the CIO or somebody in the executive team. And so now the question is, did, did I get an answer that made sense to me, the person who's asking the question, but also I could convey or would work for the person who has to assess that information? And if the answer is yes, then great, then, then you did a good job. And so what happens then too when you ask about how to answer the question, what we bring people through is what I call three rounds. There's a discovery round where you start paying attention to all of this type of stuff. Then you run through a distillation round. You got to get down to the to the meat of the or you know to the heart of the matter, and and then then you can really have that dialogue, right? And that's why it's not cut and paste. So if you perspective switch it a little bit, you're like, oh, wait, I don't understand how that works. Take me through it. That doesn't. It's not. It's not a construct. I mean, a lot of times people do really cool stuff that you may not understand or that I may not understand. Well, I've gotten pretty comfortable in my career of just saying, that sounds really cool. Can you take a couple minutes and explain it to me? And I find very often one of two things happens. They have no problem doing it or they themselves aren't very comfortable with understanding it. And all I do is explain politely that I think that's really important because the better I understand it, the better we understand it, the easier it is for us to make the right decisions around how to protect something. And it helps us get down to what's the problem we're really trying to solve or what's the problem that we need to solve. So what happens a lot of times when you ask this question is, is people, I mean, gosh, you can come back with, with 10 problems to solve in 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. So then you get to start to prioritize it. Okay, cool. Well, so there's a lot of stuff we can do. What's the, uh, what's the most important one and why? And, you know, it might take a little bit of time to get to it. might not. Sometimes it, it's kind of uh, obvious. It bubbles it up. Okay. So within that question, who's the we? Yeah, it's always context-based. What's, what's great about this question is uh, it's, a, it's actually a structure question more than a substance question. So if you think about communication differently, there's structure, there's substance, and there's style. Right, Style is how we ask the question. Style is uh, how we present information. And a lot of the stuff that's out there around communication focuses on style. A little bit focuses on substance, but what I really focus on is that structure. And so so the who's the we, or if you're older, who's the we Kimosabe, uh, the we is entirely dependent on the context. It could be you, the team. It could be you and the vendor. It could just be the vendor. It could be you and the executive team. It could be the executive team and you trying to understand it. It could be the business unit. There's no real shortage of what that combination is. So when we talk about the perspectives, you know, the reason I lay it out is the person asking, the person answering, and the person assessing, despite, you know, in addition to my love of alliteration, it's really looking at it from being able to define those, right? I mean, we can assign, if we want to be, you know, clinical, we can assign a persona to each of the perspectives and define who who they are. And that's some of the stuff that happens up front. So, and that's, that's also, by the way, now the difference between, you know, are you using this as a construct? And it's a pretty powerful construct. They get a lot of feedback from people who really enjoy asking this question. Um, is it a construct that you're using in a meeting to buy yourself some time or to bring some clarity to an issue? Or are you legitimately trying to work through this as part of a structure to make sure that you got your finger on the pulse and this is the right thing to do? Okay, so what are what are some of the skills you need to, I guess, ask or even answer this question? I am really glad that you asked. Listening, surprisingly, is probably the most important. But when what I find when everybody tells you about listening is they're like, yeah, you should listen to what they say. Yeah, I would listen to what they don't say. And so what I mean by that is, 
And some of this takes some experience, but let's say when you ask that question, you had an idea in your mind as to what the answer would be. And that's not the answer they gave you. Well, you got two options, speculate or follow up. I'm not a big fan of speculation. I'm not sure what it gets us. So I love to follow up with people. So when you talk about the skills, you know, it's it's also it's also the ability to be disarming with the way you asked it. And again, I, I think you asked it really well. I think, you know, you, you can ask it more jocular, you can ask it more serious. You kind of gotta match it to the audience and then take that pregnant pause. You know, guys, what's the problem we're trying to solve? Pause, 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 you know, and, and start to let it sink in. And, you know, look, I've had people say, well, you're supposed to tell me. I always go, cool. All right. Well, let me take a swing at it. But I'd be happy to adjust it because at this stage, it's far easier for me to get you guys what you want if I have a better understanding of the situation. Right. So I guess another skill is you got to have some comfort. You know, we talk about confidence a lot. When we look at leadership and we look at communication, there's a confidence angle to it. And a lot of times we we always lead with domain confidence. Well, I've been in security for 20 years and so I'm very confident with it. Yeah. Okay, cool. What I start to do is get confident asking the question. And, you know, the best way to do it is just keep asking it. I don't mean to the same people. I mean, like, ask it more often than you're comfortable and, and more frequently, perhaps, and start listening to the range of answers. Ask it when the stakes aren't so high, because then when the stakes are high, you'll have more experience under your belt asking that question and then letting them answer it. The other skill that comes in, and I, you know, I can't decide yet if this is an art or a skill, but it's that ability to facilitate. You know, depending on the size of the group, I mean, when I do this, right, and I facilitate it for other people, you, you always tend to notice there's somebody who's a little quiet. They got great insights. Uh, I'm not going to get into introversion, extroversion. That's all about energy systems. It's we, we grossly misinterpret that as a society. But it's the person who's kind of quiet, but they've taken it all in. Maybe they don't get a chance to speak up as often. And then, of course, there's always that one or two people in the meeting that just you can't get them to shut up. If you're good at facilitation, you can you can bring the messages forward. You can bring the ideas forward. You can give them some validation and, and you can start getting to to what the reality of it is. You know, the the flip to this, the the risk is groupthink. I'll tell you what the problem is. Slams their, you know, their fist down. It's seven, blah, 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 17. That's the answer. And everybody goes, oh, yeah, yep, yep, yep. Because they don't want to take them on. If that doesn't seem like it's the right answer, might not be the right answer. Right. So it's it's kind of being perceptive of, of just about everything, the way they're answering it, how they're answering it, the people that aren't answering it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the beauty of, of having such a simple tool like this is that, I mean, sometimes the problem you're trying to solve really is that is really is that simple. It's almost like, look, dude, there's uh, there's water coming in uh, and there shouldn't be. <laughs> that's the problem I'm trying to solve. Right. Yeah, got it. <laughs> but what I find with security is that whether it's complex by nature or complex by fiat in the way that we tend to do things, we have that opportunity to go in and kind of streamline and simplify it. So it's a simple question. Uh, it it lends itself to a number of things. And, and the skill sets that you can exercise or practice around it are, yeah, it's that level of emotional intelligence. It's that perceptiveness. It's the awareness of how it's being answered, who's answering it, what they're doing, blah, 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 blah. And as that all works, 
Oh, then it gets really exciting. I mean, look, I, I, I've been up front with everybody every time I throw this out as a question. I, I love it. It, I've been unabashed about the fact this is my favorite question. And I already shared my second favorite. How tall do I need to be to ride? They're very disarming questions. And, and you know, it's interesting. And uh, it's too bad, Tim, you weren't with me for this because this happened in South Carolina. And obviously, if it happens in South Carolina, I think of Tim. But <laughs> I actually asked this question. I was brought in to do a keynote for a group. And I did the keynote quick. And I said, hey, listen, let me turn this around. Let me ask you guys, what's the problem we're trying to solve? And you know what happened? One of the people said to me, you're the first person that's asked us that. How tragic is that? Right. But but they loved it. And then and then like I said before, I mean, then suddenly we've got a laundry list of problems we need to solve. And sometimes you gotta let people get that out. They they need their voice, they wanna get it out, they wanna share it, and then you can focus on the ones that that need it. And that's kind of what we did in that situation. So it was a group of people, they want to talk about cybersecurity. I did a quick talk on mindset, and I said, Hey, let me turn it around. What's the problem you guys want to solve? And and it opened the floodgates. And we got talking about teachers and, and how to teach it and pathways. And, and we started jotting it down. And I finally said, okay, wow, there's a lot here. If I could only solve one, what's the one you would want me to solve? And, you know, we got down to like two or three pretty quick from people doing that. And then it was easy to start to look at it and say, so if we solved A, B kind of solves itself, doesn't it? People go, yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense. Okay, yeah, okay. All right, well, so guys, look, we, we've got a direction. Let's go focus on this one first. This makes a lot of sense. And, and, and what happens in that is they felt validated. Someone asked them what they thought. It wasn't coming in. So if you think about how often security gets that reputation of being the iron fist or slap happy or telling everybody no, and we say to people all the time as an industry, stop doing that, can't do that. Well, so here's the option. Ask them what they think needs to be done. And when somebody throws it back in your face, well, you're security, you're supposed to know. Say, well, I've got some ideas. By the way, I hope you actually have some ideas if you say that. But, you know, I, <laughs> right. I've got some ideas. But, but what I want to do is make sure that what I'm proposing matches the need. And I'm not sure I have the right understanding of that. Can we take a little time? Can you take me through it? So there's a lot of depth that, that can go in behind this particular question. One more tip that I would, I would offer is to the extent that you can, try to pull the emotion out of it. It's not – I mean – I'm look, you'll hear me talk about this a lot, especially when it comes to value. There, there's an emotional component to value. And it's odd because we tend to strip that out. Uh, and I think that's dangerous. I also think most decisions are emotional decisions. Yeah, we pretend they're logical or they're financial, but for the most part, a decision is an emotional act. And there's nothing wrong with that. But when we're trying to look at something, we do want to look at it a little bit dispassionately. And the challenge there is that sometimes we've attached ourselves to it, or we've attached an effort to it. We've attached ourselves through our effort to it. And we're a little reluctant to let that go. One of the things that I think it's a little challenging to do the first couple times through is to, to detach from that and say, how would we do this dispassionately? How would we look at it and then capture that? And then you can move forward with it. All right. So what else would you like to add that we haven't already covered? You know, the thing to this is um, what started, if, if you don't mind me uh, just kind of sharing this, because I, I'll make this available to everybody, is I asked this question a lot over the last two years or so. And I introduced then the, so 
how tall do I need to be to ride the ride? I introduced that uh, about a year ago. And then I've, I've over the, the little bit started to come up with, you know, there's five questions and that's what gets you to the straight talk. So, you know, it's not just something I want to plug because I'm, I'm actually giving that away for free and I'll give people the questions and the methods and everything around that. H- happy to do that for folks. Um, but so, you know, the other stuff to think about with this is there are other depths to it. So I guess what I would, what I would offer from a resources are things to think about is, I'm going to be writing about this, this question. Uh, and if you come to my blog, uh, this will be up by the time people are listening to it and, and they can get some more details on it. But, but also if you've asked it and it went awesome, I totally want to hear about it. And if you asked it, and it didn't work the way you expected it to. I totally want to hear about that too. And I'll help. And you can reach out to me on Twitter or email or whatever works. And because the, this is the thing that, you know, we look at this as an industry it's a simple question, but it's really important that we get comfortable asking that because then we're going to start focusing on the right things. Okay. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to plug? Uh, I mean, here's what I'd love to, to be able to at least invite people to is um, I'm restarting uh, partly you know, because of your encouragement. I'm restarting the newsletter. I'm restarting my own blogging efforts. I mean, it's been a, it's been a year or so of me really trying to figure out what I do. And, and the way I explain it is really simple. I developed exceptional leaders, powerful communicators with a security mindset for success. So it's a 20 years of experience of, of security. It's 15 years of experience of communication and um, you know, probably almost as long, I guess, now looking at it from a leadership perspective and looking at that blend. One of the things that we need desperately is straight talk on security, right? Straight talk is plain. It's simple. Uh, it's it's not really fancy or elegant. It's not mired in any number of things. And if you start to look at it as an industry, we need to come together. The boards and the executives, they need this. And they want this. We need it with them. We need it with our vendors. We need those groups to come together. Uh, we need it with startups. We need it as a society. So the way that this works is it's five questions. It's three perspectives. It's three rounds that you run through. I've put all this together in a handout. Handout's available on my website. If you just come to securitycatalyst.com slash newsletter and you sign up for the newsletter, I will send you this as a download. There's no strings attached. I hope you stick around for the newsletter because I'm going to talk about this particular topic, this straight talk topic, every other week. I'm going to have some updates on that, either based on the questions that you guys have or people I've facilitated it for or some of the vendors that we're going to put into a showcase explains how it works. It'll be the subject of a couple keynotes and some webinars that we're putting out there. Um, A lot of them are free of charge to attend. And if not, I'll make sure there's some recordings and some stuff that's available to it. So it's, you know, what I would say is this is the first question. And if you get comfortable asking this, I got four more for you. And if you can get comfortable asking those five questions, I'm pretty confident you can get to the bottom of any challenge and have a pretty clear understanding of where to go with other people sharing that understanding with you. And, you know, you can do it anything from a couple hours to longer. It depends on the, the size of the problem you're trying to solve. You know, so plugging it, yeah, I mean, okay, we're plugging it. It's a program. If somebody wants help, I'm happy to help them with it. But it's also something I think that's going to make pretty good difference. And it's a leadership approach to communicating security, right? So it's a nice trifecta that I think a lot of us are struggling with. Absolutely. All right. So on Twitter, he's at Catalyst. And then your straight talk on security is at securitycatalyst.com. Get dash straight dash talk dash on dash security. You got to shorten that to like securitycatalyst.com forward slash SOS or something. 
Yeah, that's, I, I'm with you on that. You know, I was even thinking, like, just get straight talking. I'll tell you what, if somebody's got an idea, I'll add it in, man. <laughs> we, we, we'll fix that up tight. We'll put a pretty link around it with a redirect. It'll be solid. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you for joining me to discuss what's the problem we're trying to solve. And that will do it. Hopefully you learned something. If you didn't, drop me a line on Twitter at Timothy D Block. That's D E B L O C K. Or email me at timothy.dblock at gmail.com. Let me know what you didn't learn and we'll cover it in a future podcast. Show notes can be found at timothydblock.com forward slash EIS. If you enjoyed the show, share it with others and rate it on iTunes. If you'd like to donate to the show, check out my Patreon page at p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash E-I-S. Have a good one.